You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. It's it's been two weeks because last Sunday, let's just preface this because I still am not wrapping my head around it. We had snow. And Wednesday night, it's going to be 80 degrees. Okay, so I'm not stressed, all right? Uh, last Sunday, I, I think this was one of the tasks I was the least prepared for as, as pastor, uh, is making church plans based on West Texas weather. You want to talk about stress. I was up at 5.30 on Sunday morning just looking out the window like, Nothing's happening, but they're saying it's about to get crazy. Nothing's happening. And I have to trust West Texas weathermen. (laughs) And so it was one of the, I I was sitting there and I was like, you know what? They're saying this is going to be so bad. It's going to be wild. Let's just cancel it and I'll deal with the fallout when it doesn't snow. So I just went back to sleep and I don't know, around 7 a.m. Sarah's like, it's snowing pretty hard outside. I was like, oh my God, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Because it would be my luck that I cancel for snow and it's 75 and sunny by 9.45 a.m. And all of you would just be like, Parker just doesn't want to be here. That's not it. I wanted to be here so bad. Okay. Uh, but I was super grateful that the weather waited to the very last second to get dangerous. Um, but anyways, I'm sorry that we had to miss, but it, it was just one of those things we couldn't we couldn't make up for it. I couldn't get up here and preach and record fast enough because we just weren't sure what was going ha- to happen. So anyways, we're back. Beautiful outside. Going to be beautiful this week. And snow's gone. Praise Jesus. Okay, so in review though, since we met two weeks ago, in review, what we need to recognize just to start this morning to make sure that we are in the correct frame of mind going through this morning is that we are the result of obedience. You are here today. You know the name of Jesus because of someone else's obedience to step into what God called them into. We are all the fruit. And it's a beautiful thing to think of it this way. It's been something for me that I've been thinking about lately because oftentimes when we think of obedience and we think of our personal call, when the Lord calls us to do something in obedience, we think about the personal cost, right? Like, oh man, there's going to be embarrassment. There's going to be things that happen. Uh, It's going to be difficult, right? It's not going to be easy. All these different things. We think about the personal cost to us, but very seldom do we think about the fruit that will be produced by our yes. And so I love just starting by framing this perspective, this, this truth of the reality of what we're living in because of Peter in Acts 10. And we'll talk about this uh, a little bit more. We're going to go into a little bit more detail. But because of his obedience to what the Lord revealed to him in Acts 10, we know the name of Jesus. Because a Jew that would not associate with Gentiles and would not bring the message of Christ to Gentiles was told to bring the message of Christ to Gentiles and he was obedient to do so. And because of that, here in America, in Texas, in sundown, we know the name of Jesus because of his obedience. We can can be connected to Jesus because of Jesus's obedience to the point of the cross, right? We, again, we are the result of obedience. And so who might be the result of yours? 
How many generations, how many thousands of years into the future will be impacted by your yes to what may seem like an insignificant moment? May seem just like, oh, I'm just going here and I'm leading a Bible study. Or I'm just, I feel like I'm supposed to pray for this person. But that person may give life to world changers. May give life to presidents and leaders. And because of your obedience, now that person knows the name of Jesus. Right? This is important. Because a man walked with the Spirit of God and was obedient to what the Lord revealed to him again. In Acts 10, when he, he revealed this blanket coming down, had all these animals that to the Jews were unclean and were common. And the Lord's response, do not call what I have created common. I have created nothing that is common. I've created nothing that is unclean. Right? He resets this. And because of this... Um, we, we have this, this encounter with a, with a Roman soldier who, who hears the name of Jesus for the first time because of Peter's obedience. We know that the blood of Jesus was for us as well, that Jesus sent us the Holy Spirit to fill us as well. Because again, we got to recognize that we were Gentiles. We are Gentiles in the grand scheme of things. I'm not Jewish. I don't know of any of you that were born of Jewish heritage. Maybe you are. But for the most part, I'm just going to say we're the Gentiles. Okay, we fall in that group. We can be saved. We can be called sons and daughters. We know this message of truth again because of Peter's obedience. And because of his obedience, all we know that all are meant to be filled with his presence. All are meant to walk in communion with him. And all are meant to be vessels for the spirit of God that he may establish the kingdom of heaven in and through him. We have been made worthy by the blood of Jesus that we may step into this reality right now, not later. We have got to become a right now people. We live in a right now culture. We live in a right now culture. Everything worldly in our lives, when do you want it? You want it now. When do you want the new house? You want it now. You don't want it 10 years in the future. You want it now. When do you want the new car? When do you want the new phone, right? What is, it's so ridiculous. Zach got his phone stolen. I'm just throwing you under the bus real quick. Zach got his phone stolen because it was inside of his car and that got stolen. So just, you know, transitive property all things stolen. Um, and he went, it was around the same time the iPhone came out. He goes to get a new iPhone. The iPhone's only been out for like a few days. Cannot be found. No iPhones to be found. Because everybody had to get the new thing right now. Because it's titanium. Dun, dun, dun. Woo. Yeah, Steve likes that joke. We talk about that a lot. Right? People paid thousands of dollars for this thing right now that was no different than the thing they just got rid of. But that's what, that's what we are. What, what do we, why is Amazon so popular? Two-day shipping, baby. Two-day shipping. They wouldn't be as cool if it was three days. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Pandemic, we've gotten a little sketchy with the two-day shipping. Um, we've got a little lenient with Amazon. We need to tighten that up. But we're, we're right now people. Everything that we desire, we desire it right now, except that which we are made to step into right now. We delay stepping into the fullness of who God has called us to be for another day because, I don't know. And sometimes we've convinced ourselves that I'm going to have to give up the things that I love if I step into who He's called me to be. I've found more of my dreams have come to fruition with God than without Him. Even the dreams that I had before him. The things that I wanted in my life 
before I walked with the Lord, I have to this day because I walk with the Lord. But we believe this falsehood that if I step into what the Lord has for me, I have to give up everything, live under a bridge and wear sackcloth. Not one of us is doing that. I'm the pastor. I'm not doing that. I got a cool house, no bridges, no sackcloth, right? Normal clothes, bed, it's great. Totally normal. But we just believe this, this, this falsehood about what the Lord is going to call us into. But we live in a right now world, but everything that is important to step into, we delay. That which matters most, stepping into the fullness of all we are meant for, we push to the back of the line and we save it for another day. And we rob, we need to recognize this, every moment that we delay stepping into the fullness of who God has called us to be is another moment they have to wait for who God has called them to be. Every moment. It's like if you had a kid, but you refused to tell them their name till they were 16. Where's the logic there? Like, no, I'll tell you when you get, I don't feel like telling you today, I'll tell you tomorrow. No, not today, I'll tell you tomorrow. Not today, I'll tell you. Why would you not introduce them into who they are? It's a no-brainer. But every moment that we delay stepping into who God has called me to be is another day that those people out there that I will encounter have to wait to encounter the presence of the living God that they too are made for and that they're meant for and they're to encounter in me. What we step into today, church, shapes tomorrow. Amen? Amen. And again, we know that from Acts 10 that our obedience today doesn't just shape tomorrow, but every single day after. His word does not return void. And when we say yes to his word and we walk in obedience to his word, do you think in that one moment of obedience that that is the only place that fruit will be, will be given life? No. Generations and generations of fruit will come because of this one moment of obedience. Because of the one moment. The Lord's word does not return void and it does not cease. This is important to recognize. He called into existence the stars in the heavens in this world. And when has the world stopped growing? When has, when has the universe stopped expanding? It hasn't because when God creates something, it goes on and on and on forever because He is, he is eternity. So He works in eternity. So when He calls you into obedience right now, it is a, it is a work that will produce fruit for eternity. It's a beautiful thing. And I don't say this to put weight on it. I say this to bring encouragement to you that when you step into this, though you may not see the fruit right now, there will be fruit for generations and generations for eternity. There will be fruit because of that yes that existed in your heart. And we see that again in Peter. And now today, today I want to talk about baptism. In this, in this series of Who is Sundown Church, um, I want us to get to baptism. This is a core belief in this house. Um, and there's a lot that I can say about baptism. There's a lot I can say about it. And, and all of these lessons that we've gone through, we've had several lessons that we've gone through in this house. Um, and being that each of these truths uh, that have been brought have existed here for many years. So baptism is no different. In this series, we've, had, we've talked about a lot of things that have, have existed in this house for a long time. And... Baptism is one of those things. And we've heard it taught several times in this house. It's not something that we're unfamiliar with. But in this season of talking about things that we've heard talked about so many times, I've been asking the Lord for new eyes. 
that we would, that I, I just present this question to him every time I go to prepare something because it, it can get a little overwhelming preparing these lessons that have been taught before. Because what you end up wanting to do is you end up just wanting to teach the exact same thing that you've taught a thousand times. And that's not why the Lord has brought us back to this. So I asked the Lord, okay, what do we need to learn now? And this is what he has brought for today. So go ahead and turn with me to Matthew 3. That is where we will begin this morning. Um, We're going to start with the baptism of Jesus. It's a good place to start. And while you're turning there, I'm going to tell you a joke. You ready? Okay. Here she comes. Okay, Jay's ready now. All right. There was a a couple. They'd lived, uh, you know, they'd done the whole raising kids and all that stuff, and they're empty nesters now, and the wife had always wanted to go travel throughout Europe. It's what she wanted to do. She wanted to go backpacking solo, whatever reason. I guess they just needed some time to decompress. After, after the kids were gone. So she goes, and uh, she goes to travel the world. She's going to go through London and Paris and Prague and all these different places. She lands in London, and she's, she's starting this journey. She calls her husband to check in on him, and, you know, hey, how are you doing? He say, hey, I'm great, I'm great, but the cat died. And the wife just is shocked and just begins to bawl and cry and cry. This cat they've had for so many years. And she finally comes back and she just says, you brute of a man. I don't know why I ever married you. You are so insensitive to my feelings. Why would you just tell me that and not, not, gently, ju- not gently say it, but just drop that in my lap while I'm overseas? He's like, well, what am I supposed to do? She said, well, you could have start by saying the cat's on the roof when I called you here in London. And then when I got to Paris, you could say the cat fell off the roof. And then when I got to Prague, you could say, Cat's not doing too good. I don't think it's going to make it. And let me down easy. Okay, I'm sorry. And then she goes, well, how's mom doing? Uh, she's on the roof. <laughs> Got it. All right. That was all from memory. All right. It was pretty impressive. I didn't use any notes. Okay. I learned that this morning right there before we started. Okay. Yeah. I'm proud of myself. No, I was focusing in on a joke. <laughs> I felt like if I had my Bible in front of me, you guys would leave me alone so I could memorize. I had to focus. Okay, this is a serious thing. Okay, jokes are hard. All right. You guys know I have a hard time talking. So Matthew 3, we're going to start in verse 13 of Matthew 3, the baptism of Jesus. And we're going to read... Uh, We're we're going to kind of hop around a little bit, so just follow follow me for a second. Matthew 13. Then then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights 
It was hungry, and the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Okay, we're going to stop right there. So he's, he's baptized in, in obedience. He's publicly adopted as the Son of God. Publicly adopted by his Father, and the Spirit of God descends upon him like a dove, and then immediately leads him. There, there is absolutely no delay. The Spirit of God rests upon him and then he immediately submits to the leadership of the Spirit of God. Okay, and then what do we see? I don't know if your Bible has little uh, titles above each passage, but down in verse 12, what my Bible says above verse 12 is that Jesus begins his ministry. So he begins his ministry after his baptism. Okay, this is a point that's been made several times before, but we know that Jesus is fully God and fully man. Amen? In Philippians 2, verse 4, it says, Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. By taking the form of a servant, by being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus was fully God and fully man, but he chose to live in a restricted way as the Son of Man depended on the Father to show him what to do. It's important to recognize that he made this choice to live restricted. And why do you think that is? He lived restricted so that we would have an example attainable to follow. If he lives as fully God and fully man, and he's operating in the fullness of God, not restricting himself to what we are restricted to. We don't have an example that we can attain, that we can follow. But he, 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 res, he restricts himself to be dependent on the Father to show him what to do and the Spirit of God to enable him to do what is revealed to him. And this was to model, again, an example that could, be easily, that could actually be followed. Not always easily, but that could actually be followed. So up until the moment of Jesus' baptism, he lived with authority but not with power. Up until the point of Jesus' baptism, he lived with authority but not with power. Otherwise, his ministry begins before, not after. This is important. When did his ministry begin? What did he receive first? The Spirit of God, the power of heaven, okay? He receives this first after his baptism. His baptism and the receiving of the Holy Spirit. He had to have an encounter to get the power. Okay, it's important to recognize. Jesus had an encounter to get the power. Because, again, what does it say at the beginning of this passage that we read in Matthew? It is, it is obedience. It was obedience for Jesus to step into this moment with John. Not to baptize John, but for John to baptize him. Because what was John the Baptist? To prepare the way. Prepare the way. And this was part of that. This was the last step within that. So what is it about baptism that places us in a position 
to receive the power. In Acts 2.37, this is Peter's message um, after the upper room, the, the day of Pentecost, they've just received the Holy Spirit. And this is Peter's message immediately coming down from the upper room, coming into public, and he's speaking right here and now. He's received the Holy Spirit and he's speaking right here and now. Verse 37, now when they heard this, after they heard uh, Peter's message, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, even whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his words were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. And then what do we see immediately in 42 through 47? We see the birth of the church, and we see miracles break out, and we see a city transformed because these thousands of people have stepped into the fullness of who God has called them to be. They've received the power. They were baptized, received the Holy Spirit, and stepped in. John 3, 5 says, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one Spirit. So what we know about baptism. We know that it is a public declaration, that it, it's this declaration of this statement that it is no longer I who live, but Christ in me. If you want to sum it up, that, that is the caption. At those moments where we have, where we have baptisms in that pool, it's, it's when people are saying it is no longer my life, but his. Mine is, is laid in the grave. And what do we say when we baptize people? Buried with him in death and risen to newness of life. Right? It's this whole act of denying self that this is no longer my life, but this is His. His will, not my will. His will be done, not my will. It is obedience, stepping into all that Jesus gave us access to through His sacrifice. Again, to say, no longer my will be done, but the Father's will be done in me. Jesus did this publicly, that all would know who He belonged to, and whose he was. And I think this is an important fact that we can overlook sometimes. I've had people that have uh, been baptized in here, not on a Sunday or a Wednesday, just through counseling and different things like that. And, and they, you know, they want to keep it private, but it's like, we, we can keep it a little bit private. We don't have to do it on a Sunday in a live stream, but there has to be, a, there needs to be witnesses here. Right? What it, even, even if you go to a courthouse to get married, what is required? A witness. That is for your good. One of the things that I love, it's something that Kendall said in our, in our ceremony when Sarah and I got married, and it's something I say in, in, in the ceremonies that I officiate, is that if you are present to witness this, it is because they are counting on you to stand in their corner when life gets difficult to keep them upright. That you would continue to push them to one another and not push them apart from each other. Right? And, and that's the point of these witnesses, to witness the covenant. I'm witnessing the covenant you're making. And I will hold you accountable to it. That's important and that's lacking. 
that's lacking, right? We, we, we still, this is totally off topic, but we, we serve the individual and not the couple, right? We'll minister to the person. We won't minister to them together. We won't push them towards each other. We'll, we, a lot of times we drive them apart, but it's important to publicly declare and to do baptism where there are others that can witness this because of the declaration that you are making. This is not my life any longer. My life is forfeit now. I've given it to Him. He has paid a price. And I am stepping into it. I am receiving His sacrifice. I am being covered by His blood. That my sins will not be counted against me any longer. But I have to step into His life that He will now live in me. This is no longer my life. My life only gets me to the grave. Only gets me destruction. Destruction beyond the grave. His life, because of His sacrifice, when it becomes His life, I now have, not only do I have access to the kingdom of heaven, but I have access as a son of God. Because it's no longer Parker who lives, but Christ in me. When, when God looks at me, He sees His son, Jesus. Okay, do you all hear what I'm saying? That, that's the point, and it's important for, for little ones like Ian and like Kai to do this publicly so that we all know the standard that is to be their life now. It is no longer you who live, but Christ in you. And we can minister to that. We can encourage them in that. We can uplift them in that. We can believe that about them, that they would continually stay on this path of no longer me, Him. Not my will, His will. And can you imagine what happens when five-year-olds grow up only, only serving and listening and walking in the will of God? That's what it's meant for. And it's, it's meant for all of us. Baptism is to be a public display where there is a witness that can witness the covenant you're making, what you're stepping into, what you're saying, that I believe the fullness of Jesus Christ and it is no longer my life, it is His. And then in those moments... When Jesus did this publicly, that all would know who he belonged to and whose he was, he received the power. The power of heaven will not come upon you if you still exist in this place of my will be done, not his. My will be done. And unfortunately, that's where a lot of us, a lot of Christians still are. We believed in Jesus but it's still my will. It's still my life, not his. He doesn't get a say. And, oft, and because of that, we miss the power that we're meant for. The power that we're meant to step into. What heirs of a kingdom have no power? Only those that don't know the kingdom they belong to. Only those that have not stepped into the fullness of their identity, the fullness of their station and who God has called them to be. You cannot receive the power of heaven. It will not come upon you if it is your will be done and not his. So again, why is baptism so important? In, in Romans, if I can get there. Romans 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? 
We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who, was, for one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we, also, that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Baptism brings us into this position of unity with the heart of the Father. And once united with the heart of God, once united, because all unity with the Father starts in this place. Not my will, your will. You cannot have unity with the Father in heaven if that does not exist in your heart. Not my will, your will. That is step one to unity with the Lord. Not my life, your life. And when we step into this truth, when we step into this unity with him through baptism, this declaration of it is no longer my life, my life, I have been buried uh, and, and I, I have died to sin and I have been resurrected to newness of life. I am no longer the old creation. That old creation is buried. What does it say in 2 Corinthians? We are a new creation. Therefore, we count no trespasses against anybody else. We are new we are brand new beings. We are new creations when we die to self and are brought to newness of life in Christ. But the key, what has to be at the heart again is Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Church, that is the heart of the gospel. And the Father is looking for that heart to release his power to them. And it, it's important to recognize too, this is again, I've come back to this lesson several times. I'll never forget it. I could put you back in the living room where I was when this man said this. And the men, this was a college men's Bible study group. The, the guys that I still talk to from that Bible study group, that was still one of the most profound moments of their lives. is when this guy by the name of Jack Robinson's, Robertson said, Robertson? Yeah. Robertson said, these things are not a one-time decision thing. Sometimes it's a thousand times a day decision. So not my will, your will be done. You don't just make that decision once and then move on. Oh, it's done. And we do that, right? Because that's kind of what's been taught. We don't talk about the repetition of this, that it is a choice. Free will still exists for you tomorrow. And if you made that choice yesterday, that's wonderful. But what does that mean about today? You got to make it again. It's not a one and done. I don't get to just, oh, I'm just a dad. Yeah, I'm a father, but I don't have to show up for my kids. That's a choice. 
right? That's a choice. Each and every day we choose these things, to step into these things. And it's the same with the Lord. So because that existed, all this to say, because that existed, that, that thought, that truth, that declaration, that is no longer my life, but his life, that I've been buried with him in baptism and risen with him in newness of life. I'm a new creation. That truth that was present, if you've been baptized, that truth that was present at that moment, profound and amazing and I'm grateful that it was true for you in that moment but that does not mean that the next day you don't still have to choose that truth it is no longer I who live but Christ in me and when we stay in that place when we stay in that place of truth there is power there is immense and profound power Jesus modeled this so beautifully because from that moment on, when he received, when he stepped into baptism, he walked in obedience and he received the Holy Spirit. There was not a day that went by where it was his will and not the Father's. It was always the Father's will. Everything he did was in accordance to the Father's will. The Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing empowered by the Holy Spirit to do what the Father has revealed to him to do. But it was a choice that Jesus made every single moment of every single day. Do we make that choice? Are we conscious of that choice? And that's easy to get overwhelmed because, right, most of us, when we wake up in the morning, we're already busy, right? Any of y'all like that? And here, like, you wake up and you're like, oh, I'm already behind. Wonderful. I'm already late. I feel like that a lot of times. Sometimes it's my own doing. I'm not a morning person, and my bed rocks. And so, you know, can I get ready and take my kids to school in 15 minutes? I'll try. I'll give it a shot. It didn't work out yesterday, but you know what? Today's a new day. Maybe I can do it today. Um, but we start, and we get in these routines, and we have so much going on, and we forget the things that are truly important right now and we forget to make those choices and before long <coughs> excuse me we've lived an entire day that was all about my own will and none of his it was my time not his it was my life not his we step out of these things and the beautiful thing again about baptism it is this first step declaring that this is not my life this is yours and it's where power First comes into picture in your story. First comes into play in your story. But you have to make that decision each and every day. You don't have to get baptized each and every day. That's where it starts. But you have to make that choice each and every day that is present at the moment of baptism. This is not my life anymore. This is His and His alone. And when a people of God can make that choice in unity together each and every day, not my will, His will, not my will, His will, not my will, His will, there will be such a power upon that people that wherever they go, it, it, those places cannot help but be transformed to newness of life because it's what they experience. So can we be those people to where each and every day we stand in this place, this firm foundation that's found in baptism and is for us each and every day, not my will, your will be done. Whatever it has to look like, your will be done. Because when we can stand in that place and when that choice becomes an easy choice to make, then when things get difficult, it's a lot easier to weather those storms. Right? 
And what happened when Jesus physically weathered storms? He became the master of the circumstance, not defined by the circumstance. He became the ruler over circumstances. When the seas were tossing to and fro and going all over the place, what did he decide to do? I'm going to go walk on it. When they were about to drown, their boat was about to sink, he, just, just, he hit the snooze button on the weather. Because not my will, your will. And there's power, right? In the world, it's the opposite. You want power, you go take it. In the kingdom of heaven, you want power, you submit to the king of heaven, Lord of lords, and the king of glory. And that's why baptism is so crucial and it's so important. It's the moment we step into this reality. We step into this mentality. And there, throughout Scripture, there is not anywhere that says, if you are a Christian, it's, it's cool, just skip the baptism thing. It is an important and it is a crucial first step. If Jesus did it, we should probably start by doing it. Jesus did it. The first message with the Holy Spirit not brought by someone, not, by, not brought to people by Jesus, brought by Peter, who just received the Holy Spirit. What was, what was the thing he said when they said, okay, we hear all this truth, what do we do with it? Repent, be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and receive the power of the Holy Spirit that is for you. It's important and it's something that unfortunately we've been over, it's been overlooked. It is not a rite of passage. It's not something you do because you turn 13. That happened to me. That's what it was. I wasn't 13. I was 12. And they literally marched all the 12-year-olds in the church, across the church, and we walked up to the front, this, this big old Methodist church with the Gothic cathedral kind of thing where you could hear a pin drop. And they made all these 12-year-old boys and girls kneel at the, at the altar, and they got, we got sprinkled. My mom to this day, if you talk about that day, she is so infuriated because I just goofed off the whole time because it was, it didn't, it was pointless for me. It was, a, it, was, it was not anything of any significance. That's not what baptism is. It's not this thing that you do because you had a birthday. And that's why it's so profound to me when we have little kids declaring their faith in Jesus. Because no one made them do this. This is not a rite of passage. This is not their Sunday that they have to do this. It's because they're recognizing this is not my life. This is his. Not my will, your will. I want you. I need you. And for a five-year-old to recognize that, that's profound. Right? It's profound. We rob ourselves of those opportunities when we boil down baptism to just a routine that we go through. As a church, that's not what it is to be. It is to be a day to display the power being received by an individual, the power of heaven descending upon an individual because they have stepped into the fullness of Christ and they have denied themselves. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.